Hey there, thoughtful listener. What is your number one lead generation blocker? Head to upmyinfluence.com slash quiz to find out right now. That's upmyinfluence.com slash quiz, and I'll share why you aren't getting the intros and sales you deserve. We're also actively seeking guests for this daily commercial-free entrepreneur wisdom podcast. Agency owners, consultants, coaches, and B2B service providers, head to upmyinfluence.com slash guest. And I'd love to promote your expertise to our amazing audience. Let's get on with the show. With us right now, it's my good friend, Dave Nordell. Dave, uh, you were one of our featured speakers at the Fame and Profit Summit. Uh, we've become good friends. You are the author of the book, Giving Back, Life and Leadership from the Farm to the Combat Zone and Beyond. Uh, you are probably the most decorated friend uh, <laughs> in terms of your military experience. Uh, and, uh, and what I want you to do is our friend, this list is right now, go to one man, one plan, mt.com. Uh, if nothing else, you can learn about Dave, but, but I want you to see exactly what I'm talking about, Dave, that chest of ribbons is, uh, you know, obviously you are pretty active. You're doing some good stuff on the uniform. So how long ago did you, did you retire? So I retired in uh, 2014, about eight years ago, almost to the day. So, yeah. 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 And that eight years has gone by fast. Yeah, I I bet. I bet. Well, give us an overview of your, so right now, um, again, you're doing a lot of work around leadership. Um, yeah. You're a uh, keynote speaker. Uh, yeah. Again, your book is doing quite well. Um, you're certainly, um, you know, on the uh, circuit, on the podcast circuit as right. well. Right. Uh, but but give us an overview, Dave, of your of your work today. And then we'll kind of, after that, we'll kind of get into your backstory. Sure. So um, uh, as you said, you know, 30 years of military, but that just kind of crescendos with a lot of leadership and a lot of people things. And, and the book, you know, is, is, is giving back. So it's, it's nuggets on, on how people can, can work through not just, not just leadership issues, but life issues. And where that's really led Josh is, is to get me into rooms to kind of uh, reestablish authority, especially for executive leaders. So um, I just did a I just did a presentation for our rehab hospital, our rehab hospital in Montana here in Billings, and it was really all about that and and kind of how we take on uh, getting to the next step. Even high functioning organizations that are really comfortable where they're at um, to take those next steps, as you would know based on your travels, your you know what, the things that you've done. You know that pain and that fear that kind of get in our way of um, of slowing us down you know we have the ten thousand reasons why we shouldn't do something right down to losing mm -hmm. weight and all the other things right so there's ten thousand reasons why not to and i've been helping a lot of people work through that uh through consultancy and and keynote speaking so uh it's um it's uh it's a uh, a relationship that has to be built it helps to do these things so people can kind of get a feel um, I like to bring energy to organizations and, and obviously work on org organizational attitude, as we talked about when I did my presentation for, for you. So uh, it was great. Yeah. So well, could, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a resource for almost all genres, but my specialties are in healthcare and then obviously the Department of Defense and veterans uh, issues. Yeah, for sure. Um, so to, to talk just a high level of, of your military experience. So I started off as a medic and through that time, I put myself through nursing school. Um, stayed enlisted, but I've been a shock trauma nurse forever. 
did independent duty, which is hard to explain, but it's almost like being a physician's assistant or a nurse practitioner, but all by yourself out in the middle of nowhere and you're a one-man hospital. So uh, you take care of everybody um, from the grassroots. So, so why do I bring that up? Because that makes you the chief executive of the hospital, even if you're by yourself and then you work up through that. So, so I worked through that portion of the military and the leadership aspects all the way to being in the C-suite and, uh, you know, work in human resources, train, organize, equip, motivate, uh, those type of things with, with people. And then the Air Force saw qualities in me to move me to a generalized senior executive leadership positions, which are command chief positions. And I did that three times. Um, so when you're running a, a wing in an Air Force in the Air Force, it's no different than a city, right? You've got a you got a zip code in a church and and <laughs> and streets and plumbing and everything that goes along with it, and and you're doing those things. And and so to sit at that level and do that, that's pretty incredible. And then my last job was doing that, but for all the nuclear intercontinental ballistic missiles in the United States, which is Jeez. super dynamic with people and leadership and figuring out. You know how how you get how you keep cops motivated in in twenty below weather like we've got today uh, out in the middle of nowhere to guard our nation's assets. So uh, and a whole and a whole variety of those things. It's taken me through combat. It's put me into some situations that uh, were extremely trying. Uh, that would make a lot of leadership challenges that we think are uh, the end of the world not so significant. And uh, and then it's put me through my own personal trials that uh, are covered in the book that are great to share with organizations and people as they grow and develop and and become more successful. And as we've talked about before, Josh, this stuff that I offer, uh, when you enter it into a C-suite, the first thing you realize is it doesn't require a process, policy, board meetings, or a big giant checkbook. Um, these are just uh, these are just organizational attitudes that you can adopt and work through. It's an introspective way of uh, helping people get past the unknown unknowns out there and and to take the next step into improving and, and getting better. Dave, I was in the U.S. Navy for five years, and I had the opportunity to work with a lot of crusty old chiefs. <laughs> Dave, you don't strike me as a crusty old chief. Uh, maximum fabulous is not a, a phrase you hear too often, you know, uh, um, among the, you know, again, the stereotype is basically he's got his pointer finger in, in a hooked position to yeah. kind of hold that cup yeah. of coffee nonstop. He's just kind of uh -huh. milling about, growling at people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you had a little bit different energy. How did that play in the in the military? Sure. So, you know, the challenges in the military, people think people always want to separate the military from the civilian world and say it's not the same. And actually, it, it, it amuses me how many military terms that we drag into our civilian life and we don't even realize we're doing it. For instance, when people say boots on the ground, well, that's actually the, the, the acronym for that is BOG, right? And then we use that for that's when your clock started to tick when you hit hit um, a, a contingency environment. So Josh, everything that we do when we're trying to improve ourselves, be successful, come up against uh, adversity uh, in business or in life, it usually drives two things and these are the inhibitors and, and um, that's fear and pain. Well, that crusty chief that you ran into <laughs> chose to impart his knowledge on you of basically, I've been there, I've done that. And when I had that problem, I did these things. So if you listen to me, I'll probably keep you out of trouble and I'm all knowing and, and you just bow to the chief and you do that. Yeah. Well, another way to do that is to talk about how you enter into a relationship with austere conditions or adversity. And that's with your attitude. 
And so when asked, because everybody wants to know, and, and you lived it, when somebody says, Chief, how are you doing? The answer to that question is innocuous, right? That's an easy answer. I'm good, I'm bad, I'm different. Right. You know, I hate the world. But to them, it's really, really important. And as a chief, you can have 100 conversations in a day, and they can be 100 conversations to you, but to 100 people, they're the most, they're the, they're the most important conversation they had that day, and you need to treat them all that way. So going into, going into my last combat tour, uh, I decided that we needed to have an organizational attitude that set the tone to deal with the fear and the pain of having to be in conditions that, you know, most human beings don't experience. And so I told them Max Fab is the highest of the hierarchy and attitude. And if we're not there, we need to get there and we need to try and stay there and, and to work through those things. And so it calmed that. And as we've talked about, I slipped in some push-ups in there to add some physical pain and some improvement. And through that, it ended up, I mean, if you look behind me, you can see the flag. And on the bottom of the flag, yeah. it says Maximum Fabulous. And that's what they gave me when I left. Um, you know, everybody likes data. And so I'd like to contribute the 99.5% survival rate that we had in that tour to Maximum Fabulous and that attitude. So if you uh, if you need that in your organization, it's not hard to have those conversations and, and to kind of get pumped up and have people look at things that way. So. Yeah. How can leaders today do a better job of instilling maybe the values that they claim to espouse, right? Or, you know, it's like, well, we've got, listen, we've got these values on the wall, but I don't know that that's really disseminating down into the workforce. It kind of feels like a lot of people are here to just kind of, you know, earn their paycheck and, you know, they, they really don't care about much more than that. That, that feels like, and, and, and I think most people would say, well, that's, likely predominantly a failing from the top, right? right? And right. so what can we do better, wow. do you think, as leaders to um, compassionately um, instill maybe a little bit more maximum fabulous, you right. know, and, and, and the front line, so to speak? Right. Uh, oh, I so love this question. I, I'm going to hire you to come to my next speaking engagement. You'll be the planted first question. <laughs> because, because actually, I so I just, when I did this last uh, talk that I did, I had two uh, end of millennial generation, older Zs in the room, in this, in this room. And when I asked him, I said, I said, guys like you and I, we used to ride for the brand, right? You like to have the brand on your shirt and we rode for the brand and it was pretty easy. And they could give you a little employee of the month thing and that would keep your, your batteries charged for 12 months. Mm. Well, you, so first of all, leaders need to understand their generation. So taking what motivated you and trying to in, inculcate that into people that are working for you probably won't work. So you need to understand what the, what the fuel is, right? What, what mm. motivates people? This one young man, when I said, what makes you stay in an organization? He had one answer, Josh. He said, values alignment. Yeah. He says, he said, you put it on the wall. And then when I don't see you demonstrate it, I'm looking, I'm on Indeed looking for a new job. And oh, by the way, my level of effort and interest is about a C to get me paid and not get me fired, which is this quiet quitting thing that people want to talk about. And they start to move away from that. So... Um, as a as a colleague mentor of mine, we had a discussion. He's a PhD. His name's Dr. Long. He's out of Colorado Springs. We talked a little bit about this, and he said, he said a lot of times when people get to the C-suite, they take this big exhale and they say, "I'm so glad I'm here because I don't have to do this, whatever that was that they had to do to get there that they didn't enjoy." 
and they, they tend to build layers between themselves and that. And as soon as you build those layers, you build blind spots. And as soon as you build blind spots, you, you come to a false uh, comfort of feeling like you're in tune with your workforce, where if you're rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic and it looks all nice, if you're comfortable with that, that's probably a problem. You probably need to put on a pair of rubber boots, go down four decks and talk to the guy working on the leak. And far too often, we don't do that. So how do you do Maximum Fabulous? Well, you've got to, you, you have to understand what make pe makes people tick. And the only way to do that is, is uh, frontline engagement. And I'm not talking about every day in their face, going to all of their staff meetings. But what I am talking about is being in tune enough with what your organizational temperature is, right? What is, you know, we're all going to cook turkeys here in a few days for thank for Christmas. We're going to stick a thermometer in there and it's going to give us a number. We're either going to put it back in the oven or we're going to <laughs> declare that it's ready and everybody can eat, right? Well, I think far too often uh, executives need to remember how to use the thermometer and use it more frequently and react accordingly to that. And sometimes that means a shift in, uh, in uh, strategies, but it may mean a shift in values too. And you got to have the right things on the wall. Uh, I went to another organization to, to work with them and, uh, and they all said, our value is fun. We decided to dumb it down. We're just going to have fun. I'm, we're going to make a fun work organization. And I asked the question, I said, well, you can't have fun unless you're happy. So are you happy? 30 minutes later, I had two pages of notes mm -hmm. of why they were and weren't happy. And so there was work to be done there. And so those simple questions come out. So how do you, how do you get to Max Fab in an organization? I think people are happiest when you're in tune with them, when they know that you respect them, and when you understand things about them beyond just what they do for your workforce, uh, what they bring to, the, to their, their communities and their families and, and to your family at large. Uh, I'm a bad celebrator. As a leader, I'm a bad celebrator. I'm always, okay, well done and on to the next thing. So I always find somebody to help me celebrate in an organization because you got to stop and do those things. So. Yeah. Uh, Dave, obviously, you know, you've done a lot of work in and around, um, you know, kind of leadership in crisis as well. Uh, and so, you know, when I think about uh, great leaders, you know, great leaders in times of crisis, you know, are those calm, you know, they, they, they seem, it's like they seem ready for the moment. Uh, and, you know, from the outside, oftentimes great leaders, I think, seem, you know, just emotionally not too phased. Like they're, they're like, it's like I was, I'm the perfect person for this perfect opportunity. This, if not me, who, like, this is my role. This is what I'm designed for. This is what I'm wired for. And that's, that's, that's just amazing to witness. And I think it's just, it's just so inspiring to see a great leader rise to, the um you know to to the occasion but that doesn't happen in a vacuum that doesn't happen in the moment great leaders who are ready for crisis like they've con they've been working on conditioning themselves they've been playing out these scenarios likely at the very least in their head <laughs> you know about you know and and i think great leaders do that like you know it, you know i think about you know our own company and the box that I pay attention to most on my SWOT analysis are what are my threats? Because right. if this thing goes sideways and I don't make the right decision or I make a rash decision um, that I didn't pre-make, 
right? And when my when I was less emotional about it, well, that could have serious consequences to my team, to my clients, to my livelihood, et cetera. Um, but, but where does, uh, you know, I, I don't mean to kind of tip my hand on my yeah. view of that, but I'd love your take on, you know, right. how are great leaders who rise to the occasion in times of crisis, how, how do they form that ability? So cliche is success is when preparation meets opportunity, right? So let's focus on the preparation piece of it. Uh, we we live around and work around a lot of people who will say, yeah, I've done that or I got it or whatever, and they don't absorb things. And then you have people that you look at and they make you tired because they're always working. And you think, why is he working at the top? So, uh, you know, we all know Tom Brady and he's the greatest and he's 45 and he's still playing football. Do you think... Did Tom Brady won his first Super Bowl and went and did some commercials and laid on the beach? No, I mean, that guy's in, in the, the gym probably five hours a day, right? And he's working on his nutrition and those, it's a job, right? And he's constantly doing that. All we see is him holding a trophy, right? And he's getting another, another big fat contract. And oh, by the way, he's a good example of, he took smaller contracts so he could have better players around him so the team could be successful. There's a whole other conversation in there. But, um, but so if you look at that, it's the preparation piece. The interesting thing that you said, first of all, I'm a fan of SWOT analysis, but I will tell you, I'm a dis my graduate degree is in emergency and disaster management. And I've used SWOT analysis and they have not worked with executives because mm -hmm. they've instilled so much fear and pain that they don't want to even address it because it's these big macro, here comes the tidal wave and it's gonna it's gonna consume you, right? And when you do a SWOT analysis, you can you can you can draw a ghost on the wall and then get scared of it, even though you drew it. And a SWOT can do that. Or you can do what I think what I think you were alluding to is you can do so many mental repetitions, right? This is watching film and football. You can do so many mental repetitions that when it happens, you've already solved the first 10 issues. Yeah. Or when you're getting ready to step into it. If you want to, um, a wise, wise, wise old Surgeon General of the Air Force once said, if you have a best practice today and you do nothing with it, you're obsolete in six months. And, and so this is, uh, you, you can look at your threats or you can look at your checkbook. Your checkbook's a lagging indicator of your, of your previous success. Yes. Your threats are the potential to affecting the checkbook. And so if you stay in that, it keeps you aware and it keeps you on your toes. I tell a lot of, a lot of well, mid-level or, or, or like senior director level folks to do one thing. Go out into your workspace and ask one question. Just ask people where the next accident is going to happen. Do this with your staff, Josh. Ask them where the next accident is going to happen. And they'll point at their computer for IT, or they'll point in a corner and say somebody's going to get run over, or they'll point at some high space and say somebody's going to fall off. Those type of, That's real stuff because they have all the data. And we don't collect that data. We just walk right by that. Once you have data, you get to be more comfortable. Most executives are more comfortable with data, but they want to mine it in a Pareto chart or a scatter diagram. They want to mine it in those things where somebody's out there getting, you know, anecdotal kind of things. The most, the most valuable data to calm you down, to have you ready for the moment, to have you prepared, the most, the most valuable data is that anecdotal frontline data of repetitive observation, right? I've watched this happen. And, you know, when the guy stands and sits there and he says, Hey, watch this. They're going to turn left and they turn left. And the next person turns left and they go, how do you know? And they go, because everybody turns left. I've watched it for two years. Yep. 
And then you go, well, but we need him to turn right. And he goes, yeah, we'll move that shelf. And you move the shelf and all of a sudden you've got the, the effect. Yeah, you've got 10,000 spreadsheets and 95 PowerPoint presentations that are that are trying to diagnose why everybody's turning left. And you haven't gone and asked the person that's been sitting right there. So you got to do the mental reps, but you have to have a, a, a tactical awareness. Not You don't need to be tactical. You have to have a tactical awareness where you can still smell it, see it, and hear it. You know, in combat, we talk about there's things you can't unsee, unhear, and unsmell. And, and so when you smell those things, it automatically kicks in all of these mental reps that you've done and you start to do stuff. So if I hear something that sounds like a, like a gunshot, yep. I, I have things in my mind that I'm going to do, right? And so why not build that as an executive leader? Why don't you have those, those tripwires? And so some of that comes from your experience, but you have to stay current and the people let you know. Yeah. Long answer. Great question. Yeah, I, no, I love that. You know, I've spoke for the Tony Robbins organization. I know that that's one thing Tony's talking about. You know, great leaders. They build for winter, uh, and uh, you know, they anticipate. You know, it's like anticipating your your enemy's actions as well. And if, you know, if you're always like two, three moves ahead of them, they don't. You know. <laughs> That's right. They can never, never seem to foil you. Um, Dave, Dave, we just have a couple minutes left. Sure. Um, your website, One Man, One Plan, MT, uh, is the uh, is the website, and of course, yeah. um, you know your book, uh, Giving Back. Uh, encourage anyone to to go check it out. Um, but but what, what you know, someone that's um, been listening to our conversation right now, um, what would you recommend they do? Well, just go to the website, click on Work with Dave, and. Uh, and on there, there's a contact Dave thing. It's got some drop downs for, you know, you keynote speaking and that kind of thing. But just send me a note. If you want a signed copy of the book, send me a note. Um, but just uh, um, engage with me. Tell me where you're at, maybe where I can help. Uh, they can pick, you know, we can get on the phone and we can do something like this for 10 or 15 minutes for totally free. And then, you know, if it's something that I can that I can do to help uh, any organization, um, give me an opportunity and we'll do that because uh, there's so much magic in this. And uh, this, this, the millennials and the Z's are very interesting people, but they have their, they have got a lot of fertilizer and they're really ripe. And so for people that are in executive positions that are more my age or even a little older, uh, I've done a little bit of that work to, to kind of start bridging those gaps. So there's, there's a lot of things there, but yeah, go to the website, go to work with Dave, send me a note and I'll engage straight back with you <clears throat> get a, get a book in the mail to you. And then, uh, yeah, let's have a conversation uh, first before we do anything else. Love it. Dave Nordell, your website, one man, one plan, MT, which is short for Montana, where you're based. Uh, Dave, always love chatting with you, um, you know, to, uh, you know, again, just thank you so much for, uh, again, you know, all your service, uh, you know, through the uh, United States Air Force. And again, you continue to serve and inspire leaders and inspire great, um, you know, great leadership, uh, you know, in the world. So thanks so much, Dave. Yeah, you bet. Thanks, Josh. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. If you are a thoughtful business owner or professional who would like to be on this daily program, please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest. 
If you're a listener, I'd love to shout out your business to our whole audience for free. You can do that by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or join our listener Facebook group. Just search for The Thoughtful Entrepreneur in Facebook. I'd love even if you just stop by to say hi. I'd love to meet you. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. We love our community who listens and shares our program every day. Together, we are empowering one another as thoughtful entrepreneurs. Hit subscribe so that tomorrow morning, that's right, seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. I promise to bring positivity and inspiration to you for around 15 minutes each day. Thanks for listening and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Movement. (laughs) 